we will begin from ayah number 36. وَإِذَا and when رَآكَ he sees you الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا those people who disbelieve. Meaning when the disbelievers see you, O Prophet wasallam, what is their reaction? In not يَتَّخِذُونَكَ they take you إِلَّا except huzwa in mockery. Meaning they only begin to make fun of you. As soon as they see you, wherever they see you, whether you are praying in the haram or you're somewhere outside in the street, no matter where they see you, they begin to make fun of you. They begin to mock at you. And what do they say while making fun of you? A is hada, this, meaning this man, Alladhi, the one who, yadkuru, he mentions, alihatakum, your gods. Meaning they make fun of you, and while they're doing that, they say to each other, this is the man, meaning Muhammad wasallam. this guy, this fellow, is he the one who talks about your gods? Yadkuru alihatakum. Notice the word yadkuru, from dhikr, to mention. Meaning, Muhammad wasallam talks about your gods. And the mention that he makes of them, is not a positive one. Yani he speaks disapprovingly of your gods. He's the one who says that they are not God. He criticizes them. Allah says, وَهُمْ while they, meaning the same people who are making fun of the Prophet ﷺ, what are they doing themselves? بِذِكْرِ rahman with the mention of the most merciful, هُمْ كَافِرُونَ they are disbelievers. Meaning when the name of Ar-Rahman is even mentioned, when his oneness is mentioned, what do they do? They, they reject it. They themselves disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They make fun of the fact that the Prophet ﷺ believes in Tawheed and that is the belief that he promotes. While, what are they doing? They're making fun of the Prophet ﷺ, criticizing the fact that he does not believe their multiple gods. In other words, they get very upset at the fact that the Prophet ﷺ disapproves of their gods. Why do they get upset? Because they say that he insults them. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, have they looked at themselves? What are they doing? They are rejecting, they're doing kufr of Ar-Rahman. They reject Allah's message. They reject the Qur'an. They reject the mention of His oneness. What do we see over here? The mushrikeen, they were very upset with the Prophet ﷺ. They were criticizing the fact that he did not believe in their gods. Whereas in reality, the mushrikeen themselves were worthy of criticism. Because they were rejecting the greatest reality. They were disbelievers in Ar-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shows to us that many times we are quick to find faults in other people, whereas in reality, greater faults are within us. So for instance, it is said, when looking for faults, don't use a telescope, use a mirror. Right? Because when we're looking for faults, we look at other people, we examine them very carefully, we're looking for problems, okay? And literally we use a telescope. You know, even if a minute problem we can find in somebody, we find it. Whereas in reality, when looking for faults, we should be looking at a mirror. We should be looking at our own faults. 
And many times it happens that when a person begins to make fun of others, or he begins to find faults in others, he begins to neglect himself first. Now in the previous ayat, we learned that this life is a test. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us through ashab and also through khayr, through evil and through good, through bad times and also through good times. And over here, the example of the Prophet ﷺ is given to us. When he began da'wah, was it easy? He was the one whom, when the people saw him, immediately they felt happy. Because they knew that the Prophet ﷺ was most just and fair. Let me give you an example. When the Prophet ﷺ was around 35 years old, this is before he received prophethood, he was married to Khadija anha. What happened to the Kaaba? The Kaaba was burnt, all right, and also there was a flood. So the Kaaba was destroyed. A woman was cooking near the Kaaba, and what happened was that some of the sparks, they fell on the Kiswa, and that caught fire, and the walls of the Kaaba got affected. And then because the Kaaba is in a valley, so because it rains, and every few years there was a flood. Now, alhamdulillah, we have an amazing system. But anyway, back then, there was a flood. So the walls of the Kaaba were destroyed. Now the mushrikeen, the people of Mecca, especially the Quraysh, they had to reconstruct the Kaaba. And when they were reconstructing the Kaaba, they had assigned different tasks to different tribes. Right? Depending on their status in the society, they had given a task to them. So for instance, the family of the Prophet ﷺ, his sub-tribe, they were given the task of reconstructing one particular wall. Which wall? The corner of which is the Hajar. Right? The Hajar Aswad. And the wall that was next to it, meaning the other side of the Hajar Aswad, that was given to another tribe. Now when they were constructing the walls, what happened? When they reached the portion of the Hajar, a dispute broke out. Each party wanted to be the one to place the Hajar Aswad, the black stone, in its place. And this dispute, it became such an issue that the construction, it stopped for five days. All right? And the other tribe, they basically pledged an oath. They dipped their hands in blood. All right? And this is like signing. All right? They dipped their hands in blood and they said, we are not going to let anybody do this. We're going to do it. And if we have to die for this, so be it. All right? Now, you can imagine the situation in Mecca. So there was a man in Mecca who was very old. The oldest man, right? He said that, come on, this is not something that you should be killing each other over. How about the next man who enters into the haram from the main entrance will give him the power to decide. He will decide who gets to place the Hajar Aswad. Now while this conversation is going on, guess who walks in? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa He walks in and as people saw him, Instantly they were happy. That yes, he's coming in, we know he's going to take our side. We know he's going to give us the chance. Each person felt like that. He's going to give us the chance to place the Hajar Aswad in its place. And that's exactly what the Prophet ﷺ did. He called for an izar, a sheet. All right? And that sheet was placed on the ground. The Hajar Aswad was put on it. Every tribe, one member from the tribe got the privilege to lift up that sheet and everybody carried it together to the place where it had to be placed. And the Prophet ﷺ, he lifted the Hajar Aswad with his hands and he is the one who put it in place. The point that I'm making over here is that at this time, Muhammad ﷺ was not a prophet. Alright? You can imagine how much people respected him and how happy they were when he entered 
they were all satisfied. If he's the one who's going to decide, he will not be unfair. Because he's a very noble man. And if you fast forward this to 40 years later, rather 20, 30 years later, the Sahaba, how did they feel about the Prophet ﷺ? Every companion thought that the Prophet ﷺ loved him the most. He would not be unfair. And the Mushrikeen, the Quraysh, even they knew that Muhammad ﷺ would not be unfair. Now a man whose character, whose reputation is like this, when he tells you that there is only one God, Ar-Rahman, look at how the people turned against him. Every time they saw him, what was their reaction? They made fun of him. They mocked at him. They made fun of the way he prayed. They made fun of the way he did sajda. They made fun of the fact that his sons died. They made fun of anything and everything that they could find. إِن they made fun of him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. How difficult that must have been. But you see, this life has difficulty in it. Just because we are experiencing shar at a particular time in our lives, it doesn't mean we stop what we are doing. It doesn't mean we give up. Did the Prophet ﷺ give up? Did he? No. And that difficulty, that persecution, it only increased as each day went by. We see that one child after the other, the Prophet ﷺ lost. And look at how happy Abu Jahl was. Hmm? And people made fun of him. The Prophet ﷺ's uncle passed away, Abu Talib, the one who sheltered him. The Prophet ﷺ's wife, Khadija anha, even she passed away, the one who loved him and supported him. Emotionally supported him. Gave him that confidence that he needed in himself. She is the one who made him believe in himself. If you think about it, because when the Prophet ﷺ received wahi, he doubted himself. He didn't know what was going on. But she gave him the confidence that no, Allah will not humiliate you ever. But she also died. And you know when she died, the people of Makkah said that we did not see Muhammad ﷺ smiling for months. We did not see him smiling for months. It was such a big loss for him. Sharr. But did that make him give up? That's it, I quit. I can't continue this anymore. This role of prophethood is very difficult. I don't think I have the capacity. No, that difficulty did not stop him. And this is what we need to learn. Things are not always perfect. They're not always good. There are snow days and there are sunny days. Right? There are extremely cold and chilly days and there are also days which are very nice and comfortable. But just because the weather is in minus 30s or 40s, that doesn't mean we give up everything. Right? We have to keep doing what we have to. We have to keep striving. So, وَنَبْلُوكُمْ بِالشَّرِّ وَالْخَيْرِ فِتْنَةً This will always happen. Things will not always be beautiful. They will not always be easy. Just look at the life of Rasulullah wasallam. How much difficulty he endured in his life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ عَجَلٍ خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ The insan, the human being, has been created min ajal from haste. He's been created from haste. What is ajal? To be hasty. To want something before its time. To want things to happen immediately, quickly. You know, for instance, a person has this revelation one day, or this idea one day, you know what, if I'm married my life would be perfect. So you know what, mom, dad, I want to get married now. Now. This year. This year. Find me anybody. Anybody. I'll get married. Arjan. 
Right? Likewise, a woman gets married and she wants to have children and she's like, I want to have kids now, now. You start school, university, it's four years, five years. I want to graduate now, already. No, it's not going to happen. But human beings are created from ajal. What does it mean by this? They're created from ajal. This is a way of saying that someone has this trait within them. Like it's part of their nature. Right? So it's part of human beings' nature to be hasty. Alright? Like for example, it is said, خُلِقَ مِنْ غَضَبُ So-and-so has been made from anger. What does it mean? He's been made from anger. What does that mean? He's a very angry person. He gets angry very quickly. Likewise, it is said, هُوَ مِنْ لَعِبُ He's from لعب, from play. Meaning that's all he's concerned about. He's always joking, never serious. He just wants to have fun. So likewise, خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ عَجَلْ The human being has been created from haste. He's very hasty. So what happens? When there is شَرْ When there is difficulty in life, he wants that that difficulty should be over immediately. He gives up hope. Right? He becomes impatient. He cannot have sabr. He wants those four years to pass by in a day. خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ عَجَلْ But is this how life is? No. Everything takes its time. سَأُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِي I will show you my ayat, my signs. فَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ So do not impatiently urge me. تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ You seek to be hasty, me with me. Meaning don't try to be hasty with me. Don't rush me. Don't impatiently urge me. Basically the mushrikeen, they would make fun of the Prophet ﷺ, right? And they would also say that, oh, if he's a prophet, how come he's suffering from this and this and this in his life? If he's a prophet, how come he doesn't have a house of gold? And he doesn't have this of silver? How come he does not perform miracles? How come angels have not been sent? So that they would speak to us and they would tell us that he is indeed a prophet of Allah. So they would demand miracles. And when the Prophet ﷺ would say that these miracles are not in my hands, they would say, see, you're a liar. They would make fun of him in this way. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, man is hasty. Hasty. Because then they would also demand punishment from the Prophet ﷺ that, okay, if we're rejecting you and you are upon the truth, then how come we're still alive? How come everything's fine for us? We should be punished immediately. Like for instance, at one occasion, one of the leaders of Makkah, he went to the Kaaba, he held on to the cloth, the kiswa, and he said, Oh Allah, if we are in the wrong, then send a punishment upon us from the sky. Destroy us. خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ Allah says, سَأُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِي فَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ Don't worry. You will see my ayat. You will see the victory of the Prophet you will see these miracles happen. You will see how things will change. Just don't rush. وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, مَتَى وَنْ هَذَا الْوَعْدُ This promise, in كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If you are truthful. Again, their haste. They would demand the punishment. When is this going to be? You talk about the Day of Judgment. When is this Day of Judgment going to be? When is it going to come? Likewise, people say today also. Right? That, oh, 1400 years ago, your Prophet came and he said, there is going to be a Day of Judgment. When is it going to happen? وَيَقُولُونَ مَتَى هَذَا الْوَعْدُ And the promise also refers to victory, victory of the believers. When is it going to be? How is it going to be? Have you seen Bilal? Have you seen Umar? Have you seen all these friends of yours? What's happening to them? They're suffering each day. They're losing their honor. 
إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If you should be truthful. Allah says, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا If only the disbelievers knew about what? About what they're asking for. About the punishment that they're seeking. About what they're so hasty for. They cannot wait for because they would keep demanding the punishment from the Prophet ﷺ. And many times it happens that people, they become impatient right, for results, immediate results, without even realizing how serious those results may be. In our ignorance, in our haste, you know, we want to get out of a situation without thinking that what we want to end up in is worse than what we are presently in. You know, for instance, a person could be very miserable in their life, having a very tough time. And they think that the best solution is, the best way of getting out of this problem is, kill yourself. Commit suicide. Because once I'm dead, at least I'll be out of these problems. But it's like jumping out of the pan into the fire. And many times it happens that when we are experiencing some difficulty in our lives, we just want to get out of it, you know, regardless of what we end up in. We just want to get out of it. We become impatient and we don't realize that what we're heading towards is going to be worse than what we are in right now. So for instance, a person is sick and tired of studying. They're like, you know what, I've been studying for this thing for four years, five years. I quit, I'm done with it. And they walk away. They never complete their last courses or their last exams. What happens? What do they have in their hand? Nothing. Nothing at all. And now their situation is worse than how it was before. You know, sometimes shaitan puts in these thoughts in our heads that this person, if only they could die. Like we learned about the mushrikeen. They were waiting for the Prophet ﷺ's death. Right? So a person, he's very upset with another, if only I could get rid of them. And in that anger, that frustration, they kill them. Now what? Okay, that person is out of your life, but you are rotting in the prison. So, did that make things better? No, not at all. Remember that every difficulty in our lives is there to train us. It's there to teach us something. And if we don't learn from it, then you know what? The next shar is going to be worse than the present. Remember that. The next shar will be worse than the present. If a person doesn't accept, doesn't surrender to Allah's decree, then what is to come will be more difficult. And if a person surrenders to Allah's decree, he accepts it, patiently endures the difficulty for Allah's sake, and continues to do what he's supposed to, then what will happen? وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى Then definitely the later part will be better for you than the first one. And we see this in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. How difficult it was to live in Makkah. But did the Prophet ﷺ give up? Did he say to the Muslims, go ahead and kill anybody? Go ahead and take revenge? Let's show some violence? Let's take revenge? No. Be patient, be patient, be patient. What happened then eventually? They immigrated to Medina. And then what happened? That part in Medina was much better than the part in Makkah. Likewise, in dunya there is difficulty. One after the other. But if a person keeps surrendering to the decree of Allah, he accepts what Allah has decided for him, and continues in the right, in, in the right direction, then 
the afterlife will be better than the present life. And if a person doesn't accept, then the afterlife will be worse than the present life. So Allah says, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا If only the disbelievers knew what they're asking for. What is it that they're asking for? Hina, the time when la yakufuna they will not be able to avert. Yakufuna from kafa fa kafa. Kafa an is to desist, to refrain from something. So for instance, a person holds out one's hands in order to avert something. And this is like an instant reaction. If something is coming your way, alright, coming towards your face, what is your instant reaction? You put your hands out, right? You put your arm in front of your face or something in order to protect your face. And then if that doesn't work, what do you do? What do you do? You turn around. So either you bring your hand forward or you turn your back, isn't it? In order to save your face, in order to save yourself. Allah says over here, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا حِينَ لَا يَكُفُونَ عَنْ وُجُوهِهِمُ النَّارِ when they will not be able to avert from their faces, plural of wajh, they will not be able to avert from their faces anar the fire. The fire will be coming towards their faces, they won't be able to repel it with their hands. They won't be able to save their faces by putting their hands in between. Wala an zuhurihim, nor from their backs, plural of lahar. Because if you're not able to avert something with your hands, then you turn your back in that direction. But they won't be able to get away from the fire, neither from their front nor from their back. Walahum yunsarun, nor will they be assisted, nor will they be aided, meaning by anyone else. Notice over here that the conclusion of the clause of this verse has not been mentioned. Lawiya if only they knew, then what? Then what is not mentioned? Just the state is mentioned, if only they knew this state. Do they realize? What they're asking for? Do they realize what they're demanding? If they realize, they would never demand this punishment. If they realize, they would never be hasty for death. They would never be hasty for the day of judgment. So in other words, if they're demanding punishment today, they're being hasty, this is purely out of ignorance and foolishness. بَلْ تَأْتِيهِمْ بَغْتَةً Rather, it will come to them suddenly. Meaning the hour death, or the day of judgment, or punishment, it will come upon them unexpectedly. بَغْتَةً We have done this word earlier. When something comes all of a sudden, you're not expecting it. Unexpectedly, it just comes. Death will show up unexpectedly. فَتَبْهَتُهُمْ Then it will bewilder them. تَبْهَتُ What's the root of this word? بَهَتَ تَبْهَتُ the first ta means it. Alright? So tabhatu bahata. Does that remind you of a word? Fabuhita labi kafar. Remember that Ibrahim salam in Surah Al-Baqarah we learned when the king Nimrud he had an argument with Ibrahim salam, right? Nimrud said, I am God. Right? Ibrahim salam said, No, my Lord is the one who gives life and gives death. He said, I can give life and death too. So he called two people. Right? One guy he killed and the other guy he let live. So Ibrahim salam, what did he say? What did he say next? What proof did he give? 
Exactly. My Lord causes the sun to rise from the east. You try to do it from the other side. So what happened? فَبُهِتَ الَّذِي كَفَرُ That disbeliever, he was buhita. Meaning he was left speechless. This is what buhita is. That when a person, he's just shocked. He's not even able to react. He doesn't even know what reaction to show. When a person cannot even say a word or make a sound out of extreme shock. Generally what happens? If we're having a conversation or some incident occurs in front of us, then what do we do? We show some reaction. Right? Either we say something or we scream, we make some noise, or we do something, we run, we walk, we sit, we stand up, we lie down, we, you know, we do something. But Allah says over here, that when the hour, when death will come upon them, unexpectedly, فَتَبْهَتُهُمْ It will render them speechless. They will be unable to react. They won't be able to take a step even. One step even. Speechless, unable to react. فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ Then they will not have the capacity to do what? رَدَّهَا It's رَدْ They will not be able to رَدْ it. Meaning they will not be able to repel it. Send it away. Push it away. Death or punishment or some destruction or anything. They won't be able to repel it. وَلَا هُمْ يُنظَرُونَ Nor will they be given a chance. يُنظَرُونَ from نَظَرَ What does نَظَرَ mean? To look. And in love is to give time, to give a chance, to give respite. They will not be given any time, any chance, any moment to do what? To repent, to offer an excuse, to speak in their defense, to give an explanation. No, not even a second. Death will come in an instant, unexpectedly. And before they even know what to do, what to say, they're gone. وَلَقَدْ And certainly, أُسْتُهْزِئَ بِرُسُلٍ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ أُسْتُهْزِئَ He was mocked at. Who was mocked at? بِرُسُلٍ Rusul, Messengers. مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ Before you. The Prophet ﷺ is comforted over here. That the Prophets before you were also mocked at. If you're being persecuted today, this is not something new. This is not something new. This is something that has always happened. Every person who calls to Allah is made fun of. This is a fact. It's a fact. Every single person who will call people to Allah, people will mock at him. At what? At what? His personal life, their family situation, their financial situation, their background, their maybe their skin color, or their appearance, or the way they talk. People will mock at them. Or the message that they give. No one is spared. You know that? Nobody. And the bigger the name, the greater the mockery they have to face. This is a fact. You know, for instance, you look at certain shuyukh, for example. And you're like, wow, mashallah, it's so amazing. They're teaching so many people. They're benefiting so many people. Yeah, you know, they benefit so many people and they also hear a lot from people. The kind of things people say to them, the kind of words they say to them and the kind of emails they write to them and the kind of comments they give to them, if it's not hate speech, tell me what it is. Pure hate speech. 
and they will post fatawa all right given by so and so or refutations or things like na'udhu billah you are like a pig of hellfire i've read these words myself This is something that will definitely happen. Now if a person gets scared, no, my image and my reputation, and I'm a very sensitive person, and I don't like to hear people criticizing me. I get hurt very quickly. So you know what? I would love to do da'wah, but I think it's too difficult, so I have to stop. I don't think I can handle it. And I don't like it when people attack my family, or attack my image, or question my intentions. So I quit. I don't think I can handle this. This is very, very stressful. Remember, every job is difficult. It comes with its own difficulties. But a job in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the service of the deen, you know what the difficulty is? You know where the test will come? In your own life, your reputation, your family. When people will attack you, they will not leave you at all. And no individual is spared from this. The prophets of Allah... They were mocked at. So what do you think about ordinary people today calling others to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You think they won't be mocked at? Or for instance, you say something in your class, for instance, encouraging people to pray. And everybody starts you know, looking at you, those strange looks, and making fun of your hijab, or making fun of the way you talk, or making fun of the way you sit, or what you eat, or what you don't eat, or what you do, or what you don't do. This is normal. I don't know which country he was in, but... A group of people like came to his car door and um, they started like so he pulled like he lowered his window because they he thought they wanted to say salam and then they started like yelling at him and swearing at him and uh, they even like pulled out a gun and like he had to drive away quickly because they were ready to like harm him yeah and this is no strange news today Right? If you just look at the internet, how many articles are out there? Forget about the internet. I mean, just look at WhatsApp even. What hate messages are passed around all the time. You know, recently somebody came up to me and they're like, I really need to speak to you. And I got so scared. I was like, what do they have to say? But anyway, when they sat down with me, they showed me a message that they had received on a WhatsApp group. And it was basically a long fatwa against my mother. All right? And I'm like, uh, you know what? I've read things that are worse than this. And I've heard things that are much worse than this. And honestly, I, I don't care. But you have a responsibility to speak the truth and defend her if this information has been shared with you. Because when you are in a gathering and someone is attacked, then it is your responsibility to defend their honor. Right? Because if you don't speak up, then you are also... Who are you? An accomplice. Right? You're part of it. So anyway... She wrote a response and then um, there was a lot of back and forth. But at least she tried to you know, wake people up and make them think that, come on, it's not as bad as how you think. If you have not even attended a single lecture, if you have not even visited the institute, how can you say such things? Right? You see, many times people think, stay on the safe side. All right? And issues which are about fiqh, keep away from them. Don't talk about them. But the thing is that deen is an amana. Ilm is for amal. Or is it not? Knowledge is for what? Is it just to have that wow feeling? What is it for? It's for amal. Now if you talk about things that just make people feel like, wow, amazing, that's giving me goosebumps, and I just love that lecture, okay, you can have that wow feeling, that iman high, but now what to do? 
The moment you begin telling people about what action they have to do and what changes they have to bring about in their lives, that's when they don't like it. They don't like it at all. And that is when people will attack you. That is when they will not tolerate you at all. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. Whenever I hear something like this about uh, our dear Ustada, the thing comes to my mind always, always is the same. Like when Imam Malik was writing a book and somebody asked, like so many people are writing uh, books on hadith, how come you have been writing, pick the same topic? And his answer was like, whatever is for sake of Allah will stay back and whatever is for something else will not. So Alhamdulillah, uh, with the Ustada, it's the same case. Alhamdulillah, we just have completed 20 years in back home Pakistan. And Alhamdulillah, 10 years in Canada. Inshallah. So Alhamdulillah, that's something, it always should come to your mind, that whatever is for sake of Allah, otherwise it would not last for that long, yes. either back home or over here. So Inshallah, that is another, inshallah. like you can tell the truth about her, Inshallah. Basically. Inshallah. And also the thing is that, I mean, at least hear what the person is saying. Right? The big problem that many people have with my mother is the fact that she has a PhD from a Western university. And they completely discredit that education and they say that, oh, she's not knowledgeable enough. She's a woman. What does she know? What ijazat does she have? Which scholars did she study from? And which Islamic traditional university did she go to? Well, if you don't know, then don't say such things. She got her education from a Western university and this PhD is not like you're sitting in a class and a professor is teaching you. You're doing research. Alright? You're doing research. And there's people assisting you. And Alhamdulillah, she was fortunate enough to have shuyukh. And Alhamdulillah, we have so many shuyukh all over the world. And one of her shuyukh, Sheikh Sarid Badinjiki, he was a Syrian scholar and he mentored her. And alhamdulillah, she even got the chance to meet Sheikh Albani and get advice from him. Yarni, she's not someone who just followed her desires and whatever she found, she narrated. At least acknowledge the fact that she is knowledgeable. People say, you know, if you want to be a speaker, don't talk about masail. Don't talk about fiqh issues. You know what? She has the authority to speak about these issues because she is a person of knowledge. And as a student, I'm not speaking as a daughter, alright? As a student of hers, I can say that she is one of the best teachers I've ever seen. I have sat in the gatherings of male scholars and I have sat in the gatherings of female scholars. I have sat in the gatherings of people who are experts in their fields, but I have never sat in a gathering as a gathering of hers in which literally your heart moves. You're motivated to bring about a change. And there are people who understand the language that she speaks in and there are people who don't understand the language that she speaks in. But every time they meet her and they sit in her gathering, they learn something from her. Ambal, would you agree with me? I got a lot of discouragement from people. They said, you were born in Arab countries. You can get better knowledge there because that's their first language. That institute, Arabic, is not their first language. And my friend Hiba, I remember, she insists, she's like, just come with me one day. And I said, okay, inshallah, I'll come. And I swear, wallahi, when I first walked in here, and the first person I sat on the tafsir was with the students, Aisha. I just remember my whole life changed ever since then. So every time someone comes to me and say, you still go to Al-Huda? 
you still studying there? And I, subhanAllah, now I just, I try to relate Surah Fatiha with them. And literally when I break one word of Surah Rahman to them, they just, they're very quiet. And every person that really had something against Al-Huda and I brought them here, their whole view changed. And I realized with people, sometimes you just need to bring them or show them through their actions. And then they would have that whole change. Because one thing I realized about this institute, it's not about only Ustad. Ustad is amazing. Or only you, Sister Tami, which is amazing and blessing to have you. It's the Quran that you guys are relating to us and connecting us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what moves people's heart. So we're so blessed to have you guys. Alhamdulillah. So anyway, this is something that happened to every prophet. Every person who calls to Allah is mocked at. They're made fun of. They're persecuted. They're opposed in their own way. Because every person's situation is different, right? One person could be doing da'wah at school. Another person could be doing da'wah at work. Another person could be doing da'wah in their family. In any way, Whatever situation a person is in, there will be times when they're slapped across their face. Not physically, but in a different way. And it hurts a lot. It's very painful to read those words. You feel like giving up. Especially when people begin to question your intentions. You feel like, I should just close shop and I should go home and live my personal life. No. If you have the ilm, you have the responsibility to convey. And Allah will question you about this amana that He has given you. You can't sit with this treasure at home. You cannot. You have to keep conveying. Difficulties, trials will come. But remember, the prophets also went through the same difficulty. And look at it. 1400 years later even, the Prophet ﷺ is being attacked. Or is he not? He is, right? This goes on. But every attack, inshallah, is being written in your favor. You just get more wages from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You just get more rewards from Him. Because you are suffering in His cause. Because if you were not in His cause, you would not suffer in that way. People wouldn't care about you. People wouldn't care at all about how you're dressed up. Is it? You know, so many people, they dress up the way they want to. Nobody criticizes them. But just because you have a piece of cloth on your head, everybody will criticize you. So you are harassed, you are hurt, because you are in Allah's way. And Allah sees that. Allah knows what you're going through. In Surah Ali Imran, Allah says, وَأُوذُوا fi sabili." They were hurt in my way. They were emotionally hurt, physically hurt. Socially, they were ostracized. Whatever, they suffered in my way. And Allah values that. He will not let that go in vain. وَلَقَدْ اسْتُهْزِئَ بِرُسُلٍ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ فَحَاقَ But it surrounded بِالَّذِينَ سَخِرُوا مِنْهُمْ With those people who mocked at them. The people who mocked at the prophets, what were they surrounded by? مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ That which they used to mock at. The very thing that they rejected, the punishment, our, whatever it was, they rejected, that is what surrounded them. In other words, the punishment came upon them. And this is true. When you make fun of somebody, then be careful. Because it's going to come back to you. It's definitely going to come back to you. 
When we attack someone's reputation, we will be attacked. When we hurt someone unjustly, we have no right to say what we have said, we have no right to do what we have done, then it will definitely come back on us. We will suffer. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most just. Recitation of these verses, please. وَإِذَا رَآكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ يَتَّخِذُونَكَ إِلَّا هُزُوًا أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَهُمْ بِذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَنِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ خُلِقَ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ عَجَلٍ سَأُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِي فَلَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ وَيَقُولُونَ مَتَى هَذَا الْوَعْدُ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا حِينَ لَا يَكُفُّونَ عَنْ وُجُوهِهِمُ النَّارَ وَلَا عَنْ ظُهُورِهِمْ لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا حِينَ لَا يَكُفُّونَ عَنْ وُجُوهِهِمُ النَّارَ وَلَا عَنْ ظُهُورِهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يُنصَرُونَ بَلْ تَأْتِيهِمْ بَغْتَةً فَتَبْهَتُهُمْ فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ رَدَّهَا وَلَا هُمْ وَاسْتُهْزِئَ بِرُسُلٍ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ فَحَاقَ بِالَّذِينَ سَخِرُوا مِنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ